Clear is a faster way into Capital One Arena. Download the free Clear app to beat the crowds on game day. Enter through the Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. It's the second game of the road trip tonight in Vancouver. The Canucks are coming in hot, winners of five of their last six. And Al Koken joins us today chatting with Ben on the 25th anniversary of the opening of Capital One Arena. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, November 29th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7, presented by Clear, the faster way in a Capital One Arena. It's the Capitals and the Vancouver Canucks tonight, the second game of a six-game, mostly Western road trip, and the first of four straight late-night starts back east. Tonight's game will start at 10 Eastern. Same start time Thursday in Seattle and on Saturday in Calgary before an 8.30 Eastern drop of the puck in Edmonton on Monday. Capitals held an off-day practice yesterday at Rogers Arena in advance of tonight's clash with the Canucks. And much as we figured yesterday here on the show, the forward line stayed the same, likely meaning the same combinations for the fourth game in a row tonight. Alex Ovechkin with Dylan Strom and Connor Sherry, that makes up line one, Expect Sonny Milano on the left side with Evgeny Kuznetsov at center and TJ Oshie on the right for line two. The line that's still got to get it going tonight. Marcus Johansson, Lars Zeller, Anthony Mantha, they're still together. That's line three. And then the shutdown trio of Alexei Protus, Nick Dowd, and Garnet Hathaway, they're still together too. On defense, without Dmitry Orlov on the trip, Matt Irwin looks to be slotting in with Trevor Van Riemsdyk this evening. This is going to be Irwin's 15th straight game in a lineup tonight. Eric Gustafson will again be with John Carlson. Martin Ferravari will be with Nick Jensen. As far as the Canucks are concerned, Vancouver started the season 0-5-2, but they can climb back to NHL 500 tonight with a win over the Caps. After a tough start to the season, the offense is humming on all cylinders heading into tonight's game. JT Miller has an eight-game point streak. Andre Kuzmenko has nine points in his last five games, including an overtime game-winning goal at San Jose on Sunday night. Brock Besser just had a nine-game point streak snap Sunday against the Sharks, and Elias Pettersson has points in six in a row. The Canucks return home this evening after sweeping a three-game road trip at Colorado against the defending champs, in Vegas against the Golden Knights, and the Sharks most recently in Northern California. Although Thatcher Demko got the win Sunday at San Jose, expect Spencer Martin to get the start tonight against Washington. Demko has struggled this season, and Vancouver's turnaround has largely come with Martin between the pipes. He's 6-1-1 this season, and he won in Denver and in Vegas. It was thought even recently that Bruce Boudreaux might be in some trouble, but he has the Canucks just one point now out of the top eight in the Western Conference as play starts tonight. Vancouver's won five of their last six, but they've struggled against the Metropolitan Division this season. The Canucks just won four and one in six games against the Metro. That includes, of course, a 6-4 to four loss at Capital One Arena back on October 17th. As the Capitals continue a long road trip out west, this morning on the show, we're joined by Al Koken from NBC Sports Washington. No one better 
to tell stories about the move from the Cap Center in Landover to then-called MCI Center. It'll be 25 years ago on Friday that the team played its first game at 7th and F. And Al joins Ben here this morning to remember what it was like in the time leading up to December 1997. All right, Al, we're going back in time. Mid-1990s, conversations are starting about a transition, a move from Landover to a new venue. It's ultimately downtown 7th and F Street. What do you remember about the initial dialogue that this move was potentially going to happen? Well, I remember all the hoops that uh, Mr. Poland had to jump through. Wes Unseld was working kind of as one of his sort of community liaisons, and I remember seeing Wes at a game walking worse than he normally did and I said what what's wrong with you and he goes ah, I was sitting on a folding chair for three hours at an ANC meeting as they debated the fate of a tree <laughs> not a grove of trees a tree it was just an indication of all the things all the little details all the things they had to satisfy from the city from the community just to get that building built which was done with Mr. Poland's own money. The city kicked in with infrastructure, but Abe footed the bill for the building. And Abe Poland, a visionary and certainly knew about real estate being his primary baby back in the day. What was it about the downtown core, which was not developed at that time, that Mr. Poland saw we could build an arena, this could be our new home, really coming from the suburbs into the city? Well, that's what he was trying to sell the city because that was an underdeveloped and, to be perfectly honest with you, kind of a scary part of the city back then. And he was trying to explain that if this gets built, things will come out around it. He used the example of the Capitol Center. That was literally in the middle of nowhere. And slowly but surely, there was development around it. And he said, if we can do it in the suburbs, we can certainly do it in the city. And it was just a matter of trying to sell this to everybody. Understanding the community will say, well, why should we spend money to help you with infrastructure when we could be spending this for the city? And then the debate was, what you don't also understand is we're going to hire people from the city to build it, city to work it, the tax that will come back to the city. All those things that you're going to tell them is going to happen down the road, you had to convince them it was going to work now. He had to sell it to the city. Did he have to sell it to a fan base that at the time dipped into the Baltimore market? It was maybe a little bit of a Maryland feel to those teams. Do you recall, was it well received by the fan base? It was to the degree where they thought with public transportation, that could make a difference. Anybody who was at the old Capital One knew that if you went in there, no trouble. Getting out of there, big trouble. I do believe, though, a lot of people thought, well, if you're in the city, you're going to get gridlock anyway. But the idea of getting public transportation as an option was a very important part of selling the idea that this is where we need to put it. So they make the move December 1997, the rare mid-season move to a new venue. And little did we know it would ultimately be a year that they go on to reach the Stanley Cup final against the Detroit Red Wings. Do you recall memories just from the move and the new digs and the players getting acclimated, the fans getting acclimated, and what those first few months were like downtown? 
Well, it was the, everybody kind of trying to figure out. For, for the players, you'd hear stories about getting lost coming down mm-hmm. or gridlock on Constitution Avenue. So it was it was a real adjustment for the players because so many of them were living you know, in the suburbs of, you know, I think even guys like Yammer Yager still had a place in, in Severn, Maryland on the mm-hmm. river. So a lot of guys were, you know, trying to f- figure out how to get down New York Avenue in time and how to get to uh, a, a certain spot in time. All those things, I, I think, eventually were overcome. But you did also have to sell the building out. And that was the one disappointment I always had in the Stanley Cup final, that understandably, they needed to sell tickets, and unfortunately, Susan O'Malley made a deal with Mickey Redmond's travel agency in Detroit for 5,000 tickets a game, and you had 5,000 Detroit fans who had no problems snapping up those tickets, and what should have been a celebration of a D.C. team was always played with at least a third of the crowd rooting for the opposition. Well, what a difference 20 years would make when they return to the Cup Final in 2018. They sell the barn out, and you have the overflow fans outside the building as well. Final thing regarding the building, MCI Center Verizon Center Capital One Arena. We're in an era now where, objectively speaking, the buildings are cookie-cutter-esque. We're not talking about Chicago Stadium, Montreal Forum here. But are there elements uh, about the arena that you've seen over the course of the quarter century that stand out to you that are unique to to the building and the Capitol's home here? I mean, the building itself has, you know, certainly has, you have to design everything to have multiple functions and the ability to put concerts as well as ball games in it. To me, the biggest thing is what it has done to that area. Mm -hmm. It's it's beyond comprehension to think about what it started as and what it's become now. We see it at Nats Park as well, but I think without the success of MCI, Verizon, Capital One, and to show the city what would happen if you put a building, a multi-purpose building in a spot that needed it, what the options and the possibilities could be. I don't think Nats Park would have gotten done if the success of Capital One hadn't been so apparent to everybody in the city, particularly the people that say yes or no to these things. Without it, I don't know what we would have seen now in terms of future development. It was a real trailblazer that Mr. Poland deserves unbelievable amount of credit for that I don't think he ever gets enough of. What he did was the the blueprint for other successes, particularly Nats Park. If you build it, they will come. Very well said, Al Koken, NBC Sports Washington. Appreciate it as always, Al. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. It wasn't easy to put it all together back then, but Abe Poland found a way, and now it's hosted a generation of sporting events, concerts, shows, Capital One Arena officially turning 25 years old at the end of the week. A lot still to come this week on the show. Tomorrow, Ben will be here as we recap tonight's game against Vancouver. Mike Benton, the studio and intermission host for the Seattle Kraken, will be our guest on Thursday to help preview the next game of the road trip. And Alan May is going to be here before the week is out. Always appreciate all of you that tune in each weekday morning here on Caps this morning. A lot more coming up before we get to Friday. As for tonight, it's the Caps and the Vancouver Canucks, 10 Eastern, 945 Air on 106.7 A Fan and Caps Radio 24-7, CapsRadio247.com. Have a great game day Tuesday, everyone. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! 
Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.